What's going on, everybody? It is the Searching for Something podcast. We look at everything and anything from every angle to see if there's something worth talking about. And today, I'm going to be having a very interesting conversation with arguably one of Seattle's biggest up-and-coming artists to date. I know him as Anthony, but the world is going to remember him as BXI. So with that being said, I welcome our guest. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for having me. Of course. You know, before we start going into it, we're kind of having a little bit of a heat wave in Seattle, and Mans is really wearing a hoodie. <laughs> Mans is wearing a hoodie. How are you surviving in a hoodie right you now? Just got to see it through. Just got to see, see it through. through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, before we just start jumping into the wild amount of success that you've already been getting, you know, from millions of streams, signing deals, before we get into that, you know, I always like to kind of start from the beginning. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about your upbringing, because I think you're from the Midwest, so let's kind of just start there. Uh, yes, from Missouri. Uh, actually, I was born in Illinois, then moved to Missouri, my childhood, Southeast Missouri. Um, small town, I was very, I was a very troubled kid. Um, so what do you know, mean by that already? Like, how's you, how are you troubled? You gritting rocks um, and throwing them through windows? Uh, it's more complex than that. I was, <laughs> you know, small town, so it's nothing but gang activity. So I got tied up into that and, you know, found myself in jail multiple times. And then, but I was always the smartest kid on the block in the class, graduated high school at 16. Whoa. And then came out here for school. Um so that was pretty much it. Yeah. Dang. So you got caught up pretty early. So yeah. growing up in the small town, was it one of these things where, I mean, when it's small towns, a lot of people already know everybody. Oh, okay. So it's like, as you were growing up, did you already kind of know some of the folks that were affiliated? And how did that even happen? Because I feel like that's kind of an important part of the transcendence that you do in your music now, where it's like pretty much the opposite of that life that you came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So most of my family was into gangs and, you know, big drug dealers in the southeast Missouri. Um, so I watched my uncle, you know, going through that lifestyle and I just kind of fell, fell with it. And then a lot of my friends, elementary friends grew up with, they were in that lifestyle too. So I just kind of got suckered in, wanted to follow everybody and be a pretty much a, a clown in a sense. Um, so just ended up falling to that lifestyle and yeah, I just found myself getting arrested that one last time and it was a wrap for me. Yeah, so talk to me a little bit about how like that first experience was of getting kind of affiliated. It sounds like, you know, yeah. your family was kind of tied to it and you know, as kids we're products of our environment. So mm -hmm. you're absorbing everything that's around you and clearly that's gonna have a big influence. So what was kind of one of those first things where you know, there's being an outsider where you're seeing it happen, but then it's a whole different thing to not be an insider. And you're like, whoa, like I'm kind of getting wrapped up into this. Yeah, I feel like it started with, so it started as innocence back in <clears throat> elementary school. We would bag up, you know, uh, Kool-Aid and we'll like wrap it up, we'll sell it. Um, and that was like the start of everything. Then we started again to realize how much money we made just off Kool-Aid. And we started getting the bigger things. And, you know, I started stealing from my uncle his supply of, like, cocaine, weed, and stuff like that, actually selling it. So I kind of got myself wrapped up into, like, some gangster disciples and some vice lords um, out there. 
and you know just just kind of went bad from there yeah. wait wait so i'm sorry i'm not from missouri so yeah. <laughs> kool-aid selling kool-aid like yeah what, yeah what, what is that <laughs> It was a thing. It was a thing in school. You take one of the Kool Aid packets and you put like some sugar in it. You put in like a plastic bag. You tie it up like it's cocaine and stuff. But I mean, it sold for about like a dollar a bag. And back then, you know, that's a lot of money to us, especially with kids. You're um, rich as a kid, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, with a dollar. <laughs> Bring it home like at least fifteen dollars a day. Damn. <laughs> so <Jeez>. yeah, blue face. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's how I started. Dang. Okay, so you start, you know, slinging the Kool-Aid, and then it gets to the point where you're like, hey, I want to put my hand in the cookie jar and start kind of leveling up a bit. Yeah. And you start doing that. And and how old are you as it gets to the point where you first made that transaction with, like, other than just Kool-Aid, and now we're uh, getting to the big boy league? I want to say 11. 11? Yeah, I was very young. 11 yeah, years old. Yeah, and so who is it that you were even selling to as an 11-year-old? Um, adults, adults, people in my class. Um, at that time, I was transitioning from elementary to junior high, so people, yeah, people in my class, adults. Um, and at that time, I was actually part of a gang. I actually got jumped in at eleven by grown men. <laughs> at eleven, yeah, you had jumped in. Yeah, by grown men, by like eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds. Yeah. And how many people were there, like, for the jump in? Uh, it was about four or five. Four yeah. or five, and then you just beat the shit out of you? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you were 11 years, <laughs> 11 years old. old. Yeah. It's people, when I go back home now, it's, like, eight-year-olds, like, and jumped into gangs and get Eight? tied up into life. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. What the <laughs> fuck? That's insane. So you're 11 years old getting this shit kicked out of you, getting your face kicked in. Mm-hmm. And then once that had kind of finished and you're laying on the ground, I'm sure maybe you're bleeding a little bit. Like, what was going through your head then? Because like you said, you've always been somebody that's been smarter than the average. You've always been ahead of the pack. So in your moment right then and there, like, what was going through your head? Um, I was just, I really don't know. I was just pretty much just wanting to be like everybody else in a sense. So... Not sure what was going through my mind at that time. I was just like, I'm glad it's over um, so I can start doing my own thing out here, um, you know, making money. So that was my main focus, just making money. Just making um, money. But, yeah, don't know exactly what was going through my head. I just know I wanted to be like everybody else. And back then, to me, those were leaders. So. Mm, okay, so you wanted to fit in. You wanted to be like everybody else. And then fast forward a little bit, you know, that's 11. So what were, like, kind of the next couple of years like? Uh, next couple of years was just, you know, my mom figured out. And I started running away from home. Got arrested for running away from home. I started stealing, break-ins, robberies. Um, and then around 12, 12 and a half, going on 13, that's uh, when I got my first gun. Uh, and then... What kind of gun? Um... I don't even know. It was some cheap. I think it was. I want to say a Ruger or something. I don't know, but it was very cheap. It was something that go bang. Bodies on it, and yeah, <laughs> that's all <laughs> that's he cared about. Pretty much something that go bang. So, <laughs> got myself wrapped up into some trouble with that. Uh, I had two attempted murder charges. Um, got arrested. My mom put all of her money for me to get out. Um, and then everybody, the police knew me. The police know I was smart. 
went to court and pretty much just got off scot free. Uh, yeah. How? Okay, so yeah. was this <laughs> was this just because they knew you so well? They're like, hey, we don't want to fuck up this kid's future, or um, you had a great attorney. Like, how do you get away just scot free with like I charges had, that are that big? I had a good attorney, but everybody in the city knew me, and they, they knew that this was not me. I did spend some time in jail, about two months, um, before the trial, and then after the trial, probably like another month, and then. And how old were you? Job. Your first time in jail, like spending time, was this? Like uh, my first time ever in jail. Uh, I'll say ten. It was ten? Yeah. So before you got jumped in, yeah, before you were already serving time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what was that? What it was, was actually for running away the first time, because uh, I think my mom, I think I had a FMR report card, and I was terrified because I only had all A's before, so I just ran away, and then you know they come scoop you up and they put you in jail for a night, and then you go back to your parents, so. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> okay, well, the time that you did spend time in jail, like, how old were you then? Uh, actual time, um, I want to say around 13. Around 13. Yeah. So it sounds like there's this theme where it's like a lot of people knew you and they knew that you were bigger than just kind of the crimes that you were getting wrapped up in. So yeah. how did people know that you were more than just the stuff that you were getting in trouble for? Um. Pretty much, I was also an athlete. I was a very good track athlete. Um, I went to state multiple times. Won state for, you know, my high school, junior high. Um, so pretty much, I made a name for myself um, with track, and everything. And then everybody's like, "Oh, okay, there goes Anthony. There goes Anthony. He's doing big things." And everybody knew me and my family. Me and my brothers are so smart. Like we're. I think my younger brother averaged uh, 35 on his ACT. I averaged 32. Like, we're we're damn near geniuses. <laughs> but, yeah, everybody just knew that we were different. Like, you can see it in our eyes that we were different um, and that we didn't deserve this life. So, yeah. So, even then, did you feel like you had that self-awareness where you're like, I am different? Like, when you're getting, you know, arrested and you're like mm -hmm. 13, 14, you're actually spending time in there. Like, what's going through your head? In your head, are you like, I am different, I'm built for this, like, I'm built for more? Or, yeah. like, what's going What's going through your mind? Um, I've always known I was different, and, you know, every time I got in trouble, I most definitely thought about it. But it's like, I just want to be a crowd pleaser, in a sense. You know, I thought I had to do certain things to get friends. So I thought I had to be this, oh, tough guy, because that's what everybody was on back then. So I thought I had to be this tough guy, oh, I'm a... You know, I'm going to go jump you, rob you, whatever, just to make friends. And yeah, but I always knew I was different. So, Okay, so it seemed like you were doing all these things just because you felt like you kind of had to to get the respect and adm admiration of the people around you. Or like, hey, this is just kind of what I know. This is how people, you know, get liked around here. But you knew in the back of your head that, you know, this wasn't going to be the end-all, be-all. So... Kind of fast forward a little bit, I guess, what was like the next milestone in your early years before we, you know, start transitioning, talking about your artistry? Uh, my next milestone is actually when I graduated high school at 16, I went to, did my first year at Purdue. I graduated with my associate's degree. So did my first year at Purdue, then went to Colorado State, then came out to Seattle for med school. Um so that was kind of like the transition from that life. And my mom put up a lot of money for me to go to school. 
So I couldn't really disappoint her, even though, you know, I got tied into her life. I still wanted to do it, even though I'm like, I got off scot-free with everything. Um, but that was pretty much the transition. Came out here, I feel like Seattle was a big blessing for me. Pretty much just turned my life completely around. Yeah. Wait, so how does that happen? Going from like 13 attempted murder charges, you're in a jail cell for, you know, a couple months. You're like, yeah. whoa. And then, because it sounds like, you know, when you were 10, you had all A's before that, and you got the yeah, F on the yeah. report card, and you ran. You're like, yo, I don't yeah. want to deal with this at <laughs> home. I'm sorry. So when did you start, like, taking school seriously to, you know, graduate at 16? There's not um, a lot of people that I know that yeah. graduate at 16. Yeah, I've always took school fairly serious. Um, it was just that, you know, like that transition from elementary to junior high school where, you know, everybody's trying to fit in. So you're trying to be a class clown crowd pleaser and so things fell things start backsliding and then i was i feel like even to this day the only person i'm scared of is my mom oh uh, so i didn't want to get that ass whooping <laughs> for sure she'll go get that switch off a tree oh, yeah. she'll tell me go take a shower and then Ooh. she'll hit me when i'm wet like that oh jeez. you don't want to go through that no definitely <laughs> but not. yeah um, but yeah, I always been a cookie in a sense. So, okay. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you're like, Hey, I'm getting locked up when I was a little kid that's happening. But mm. those were more so just the extracurriculars Yeah, yeah. where you're like, Hey, when I'm in school, you were taking it serious. You were paying yeah. attention. So did you like skip a couple grades? Like how did that happen where, you know, you're graduating at 16? Uh, yeah, I skipped, uh, nine and 10th grade, nine and 10th grade. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, how does that come about? Uh, pretty much there was a placement test after high school um, in eighth grade. And if you did well on it, you get to skip a grade. But I ended up skipping two grades because I got a perfect score. And I feel like I did A didn't. perfect score? Yeah, I got a perfect score. I think it was, like, a 65 or something like that. So I got, like, 65 out of 65 on this placement test. And they're like, okay, you can't invest it in 10th grade. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so yeah, I was um, fourteen and a f yeah fourteen in the tenth uh, grade. So, dang, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Like that's not an easy thing to do. It's not. It's not. Yeah, at all. I barely know. I know a couple of people who's done it before, but just a handful. Yeah. So would you say like, as a kid, this higher level IQ that you just have, like, did that kind of translate into some of the you know, affiliated work that you were doing there? Like, were you kind of doing creative stuff in your extracurriculars, too? Uh, no, just pretty much just following whoever I could at that point. Um, yeah. Have you ever heard the, have you ever seen, like, a smart-ass child, but they're, like, troubled as hell? Like, they got all the brains in the world, and they, they're troubled, pretty much. That was me. Mm. Yeah. Dang. Okay, so you skip the two <clears throat> grades after junior high. They're like, hey, take this placement test. You get a perfect score, which is still fucking insane in yeah. my head, just kind of <laughs> absorbing that. Now you're this 14-year-old kid in 10th grade. Like, when, so then you kind of finish out the two years. Did you get in any trouble, like, before graduating high school? Uh, No, I kind of kept my head clean. It was a couple of times I got in fights and stuff because I have a high temperament. Uh, but... Got a in mouth a sense, on you sometimes, yeah, maybe. Yeah, in a sense, <laughs> I pretty much just kept my head clean and just finished up everything. So, okay. So then, after you graduate high school, you said you went to Purdue. 
Yeah, I went to Purdue for a year. Went to Purdue for a year. And what were you initially studying there? Uh, computer science. Computer science. Yeah, yeah. And then... That's uh, just... Okay, yeah. here's a kid who gets affiliated <laughs> at 11 years old. He gets the fucking shit beaten out of him by all these grown-up kids, skips two grades, and then now he's studying computer science. Yeah. So it's like, were there people around you that were studying computer science? Or, like, how did you um, then, no. like, know to go that route? No, I was the first one in my family to ever go to college. Yeah. Wow. So. <laughs> so what made you choose computer science at first? Um, It's pretty much... Back then, I know, even to this day, it's still, you have a computer science degree or an engineering degree, you make a lot of money. So that was pretty much my, my sense of doing it. And plus, my mom was like, yo, you're going to do this. You're going to do computer science. She was pretty much telling me what I'm going to do. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Dang. So since the beginning, like you said, you're 11 years old. You've been mm. about that money. So you're about like, hey, money. here's this yeah. route to make money. Computer yeah. science. Sure. So you did that for a year. And how was that going? Like being from somebody where you're in a small town, you're probably one of the smartest kids in your school, mm -hmm. to now being in college doing computer science. So what was kind of that like level up? Did you feel like you were still like much farther ahead than everybody around you? Or was now the level, like the playing field starting to level out a little? Um, I still felt like I was much ahead until I actually got out in Seattle. And then I was like... Um, not that smart, um, but Interesting. yeah, pretty much in Purdue and then Colorado State, I was, I always felt like I was ahead than everybody else. So you, in Purdue for a year, and at this point in time, are you like not affiliated? You're not doing any, um, you know, hood rat shit behind the scenes? Nah, nah, not doing no hood rat shit. <laughs> Technically, until you get jumped out, you're still affiliated. So, I mean, I never got jumped out, but I don't, I don't do none of that anymore. I'm scared to get jumped out at this point. <laughs> but <laughs> The jersey's been retired. Yeah, it's definitely retired. <laughs> so, okay, so what made you then go from Purdue to Colorado State? Uh, Colorado State, I actually got a scholarship for Colorado State, so my mom and dad had to pay for my last year of undergrad. Um, so I took that route. Uh, I got an academic scholarship, and then I also a half of a track scholarship. Um, so... Just pretty much took that route and did computer science there. Um, so my undergrad has a BS in computer science. Whoa. So, and you were an athlete? Yeah. Wow. So what was that like? Um, It was fun. It was fun. You get all the girls when you're an athlete, for sure. And I was like this. <laughs> <laughs> I was barely 18. And yeah. So. Was, Wait, so like even when you were a kid, <laughs> affiliate, getting all this money, yeah. like because you're rich as a kid at that point, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. like were you getting hoes then? No, I wasn't getting no hoes. Yeah, <laughs> no, as a no. kid, as no, a youngin, no. zero. Yeah. I don't think I got my first hoe until I was like seventeen. Till you were seventeen. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, eleven-year-old yeah. kid selling Kool-Aid and yeah, cocaine. Yeah. No hoes though. No hoes though. Dang, yeah. just money. Yeah, money. <laughs> yeah, we got money though. First, you get the money, then maybe the hoes. Yeah. Dang. So then, once you were kind of in college and kind of now this athlete, you know, you're big man on campus. Was that kind of just showing you? Like, when did that, I'm trying to understand, like, when you really made that separation from, like, here's who I was growing up, mm -hmm. and here's who I can be when I really, like, put my heart and soul into being a better person. I felt like when I, so I applied to uh, med school out here at University of Washington just to apply. I uh, didn't really think I was going to get in. 
So wait, before we even start going that, yeah, yeah. how do you go from computer science to now wanting to like save lives and be um, a doctor? Uh, so when I was younger, I've always had this dream about being a doctor. At first, I wanted to be a dentist, um, and then it just kind of changed. I was like, okay, I just kind of want to be, you know, a doctor as, at this point. Um, so just kind of testing my luck there uh, with the University of Washington. What made you want to be a dentist? Um, money. Money. Yeah. So from day one, <laughs> yeah, it's been money. about money. But my my um my mom really didn't want me to go down that route uh, because she was like, "That's too much school. Like you need to get money. Like you need to graduate and start making money in a sense. Like now." You're like, "Shit, that's why so, I'm selling Kool Aid. Yeah. I'm trying." <laughs> <laughs> she didn't prove nothing. <laughs> but yeah, um, that was pretty much the route. I always had that dream, so I just kind of put it to work and. Wish for the best, then it happened. Yeah. So you graduated BS computer science, and then you're like, "Hey, fuck it, let's just try to apply to med school." I've always wanted to be a doctor yeah. in the back of my head. Yeah. And then, what was it like when you know you got that offer, and you're like, Whoa. "Um, I called my mom so fast. I got the so I I applied for University of Washington last semester, and it was like January, January of my last semester." Um, and then I took the test, which I thought I did pretty bad on, but apparently I did good. And then I got the um, letter in my email about three months later. It was about April at this point, end of April. And I called my mom so fast. I was like, Ma, guess what? She's like, what? I got accepted to med school. She did not believe it at all. She was, <laughs> like, she was like, shut the fuck up. I was like, yes, like, here goes the email, like, boom, boom, boom. She was like, you didn't tell me this. And so she was kind of, she was happy for sure, but she was trying to figure out how she was going to pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's like, money. Yeah. goes back down to the yeah. money. <laughs> it comes right back down to the money. Um, but, yeah, she was most definitely ecstatic. I was ecstatic. And then it was just a point in time where I was like, um, you know, going into that last month of school, I was like, I kind of got discouraged because I was like, you know, I didn't grow up with money. I know my parents don't have 200K to put me through med school. Um, so I was like, it's probably not going to happen. Um, but she actually picked up two or three jobs, started going at it um, because I was the, pretty much she felt like I was the chosen one because I was the first to go to college. And so she just pretty much did what she needed to do for me. Wow. Yeah. So before fully kind of going into that, we were talking about family, and like it sounds like family is important to you. It sounds yeah, like yeah. you have a really close relationship with your mom. So, oh, definitely. Like, is your dad in the picture? And like, do you have siblings too? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You so said my, you had some brothers. Yeah. So my dad was kind of on and off. Um, I felt like that was the main part of me uh, getting in trouble as a as a teen because I didn't have no male guidance in my life. So I felt like that he played that played a big role. And to me, getting in trouble and not figuring out my purpose sooner. So, so then, like, did you know him? Um, I think I seen him two or three times before I graduated high school. Yeah. So he just kind of come around when he wanted to. Mm. Yeah. And what about like your siblings? My siblings. So yeah, I have a brother on on my dad's side that I talk to. Well, my dad has like thirteen kids. He was a Rolling Stone. Thirteen talk, kids. Yeah, yeah. Some Nick Cannon type B. Yeah, Nick Cannon. <laughs> still still paying child support to this day <laughs> Jeez. but um 
Yeah, yeah. I met my older brother, uh, Jalen, um, through it was some weird thing. I think my mom received a, <coughs> the wrong letter, and that's how we connected with my brother from his side. And then my got a younger brother named Omari, and then a younger sister. Um, and then Omari actually he passed away last. This may actually because well, he was I'm sorry tied to hear in. that. Thank you, thank you. He was tied into the gang like too, um, but you know I tried to save him multiple times, and he was he was actually getting on the right on the right path. But yeah. So when it was like you at home growing up, like in your immediate household, like who was in that compound? You, your mom, yeah. me, my mom, and Amari, and then my sister came when I was like thirteen. Um, so. Got it. Yeah, got it's it. just us. And so, are you still close with any of your other siblings? Uh, yeah, yeah. Most definitely my older brother on my dad's side and then my younger sister, for sure. What was their reaction like when you got accepted to medical school? Uh, my older brother, um, he was excited. We we were talking for a minute, and then we just kind of, like, stopped talking because life, and we are growing up trying to go to college and everything. And then, but he found out probably, like, a year after I was in med school, and it was like, bro, like, you're living life. You're doing it. You're doing it. And he just kept giving me words of encouragement um, that just to keep going and never quit because, you know, I'll be the first first ever to do anything in my family. So, Yeah, that's so inspirational and mm-hmm. powerful. Like, it's so easy to see somebody growing up in a kind of environment and be like, oh, they're just going to, you know, go to jail and that's where they're going to be forever but yeah, yeah you were able to transcend to go above that and now you're in medical school making stuff happen there so mm-hmm. now that we kind of have that background like when did music start really coming into the picture um i would say music fully started coming into picture during the pandemic after i graduated med school um 2020 that was a sucky ass time um, oh, so you've already been there, done that with med school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're done with that? Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Whoa. Yeah. And so with med school, like, you know, you always being that guy who's always farther ahead, is this now when you were kind of challenged a little bit? Yeah, I was very challenged. I barely passed. I barely, barely passed? Barely passed, yeah. See, that's I what I feel like a lot of people don't realize when they tell me, oh, I want to be a doctor. It's yeah. like, you realize you have to be, like, top echelon, like, mm-hmm. IQ distribution to take yeah, in yeah. all these different information and then stress on top of that. So Definitely. to hear somebody like you skip two grades, have gotten all these perfect scores his whole mm-hmm. life, and then you're struggling a bit in med yeah. school. Yeah. I feel like the education system in, like, Midwest is pretty trash. I feel like if I was somewhere else like West Coast or probably like the East Coast, I probably wouldn't have skipped two grades um, because it's just trash in the Midwest. Everything's so easy, and they just pass you like that Mm. um, just to get you out. So, God's plan, though. Yeah, God's plan. (laughs) There we go. So, what would, like, when you're in med school, do you pick, like, a certain kind of concentration, like a certain route that you take? Like, what's that like? Um, you can, but it's usually after you graduate and you start your residency. That's when you pick your, that's when you really pick your concentration. And that's when people are like, oh, okay, I want to be a surgeon. Or they probably already know coming into med school. And until you start doing your uh, clinicals, then you're like, okay, I want to do this. Or no, I don't want to do this. Um, 
at first I wanted to be uh, OBGYN. Oh, okay. Um, there yeah. we go. For the wrong reasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's money and then there's hoes. <laughs> As you can imagine, for the wrong reasons. But actually, I was doing my clinicals like my um, last year of med school. And I was like, this is fucking disgusting. Like, and not to say I love all my women, for sure. So much uh, love. Yeah. So, so much, much love. love. But I can't. I can't. It's just so much. I'm like, okay. But then I switched it from that to pedi- pediatrics. I want to be a pediatrician because I do love kids. And I feel like I can pretty much help kids and help pretty much kids in need that has cancer or whatever. So so when was that moment when you're doing like the, you know, vagina doctor type yeah, work? Yeah. Like when was that <laughs> moment where you're like, okay, I might not have the stomach for this? Um, It was after I, I assisted giving birth. Oh yeah, it was it was that time I was like, and it was going well. It was going well. Kid you, and I kid you not, baby comes out, nothing but I say about a gallon worth, down there half to a gallon worth of fluid comes out and it's on my feet. It on com- your feet, it goes through my shoes and everything. On the J's, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I have some kids. I think I had some kids over my work shoes, but yeah, yeah, I was like. This is it. I'm not doing this. Oh my god! <laughs> like, what color fluid was it? Uh, just like yellow shit, like that. Yeah. And so, right then and there, you're like, nah. Yeah, yeah. Like, nah, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I try to play it off because you know I'm nice. I'm nice. So I was like, mm, yeah, he's even the cool guy in there too. He's just like, you oh. just hear my, you just hear my feet every time I walk. It's <laughs> like, damn, I need to go home. But yeah. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Okay, so you're already done with med school, and so are you, like, still on your medical route? Because um, soon we're going to be talking about all the amazing things you've been doing with music, but, like, yeah, yeah. are you still doing medical stuff? Um, No, no. No medical stuff right now, and it's mainly because of the bullcrap I did when I was younger, and it kind of just caught back up to me. Um, So I was, I want to say, back in January. Yeah, back in January. Um, I got an email from University of Washington because, you know, you're a doctor, you're transitioning from being in your residency into a full-blown. So they do extensive background checks, fingerprints, all that, like FBI grade. Um, and, yeah, and apparently I thought juvenile files were sealed. Apparently they have access to those. Um, so, yeah, pretty much they sent me a long email. They're like, hey. Like, we're sorry. We're just going to have to let you go. Um, Are you pretty serious? Much. Well, I had to go talk to um, the director. And then he was telling me face-to-face. And I was like, damn, like, what the fuck? Like, we wasted all this money, all this time going to school. And he told me I can't be here just because of what I did in the past. And it was like, I feel like something, you know, like stealing or Walmart shit, but it's violent crimes. So, in a sense, they were like, yeah, we're not having that here. So, so what was going through your head then? Like you said, all this money, um, all this time, barely was going through. We put in countless amounts of hours yeah. to just have that at the very end. Um, I was, I was probably the most pissed I've ever been. Like, I kind of wanted to, like, just kind of smack him in the face. But I know it wasn't his fault. And he has a job to do, so I'm like, okay. Um, and I can take it up with the Supreme Court, but I just chose not to. Just let it go for now. Maybe if 
music fails, hopefully it doesn't, I'll take it up. But as for now, it's just I'm just leaving it where it is. So interesting. Okay, so that happened. You're incredibly angry, rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what would be going through my head if put in all these years of sacrifice and that's kind of the answer that I get. Like mm-hmm. that's heartbreaking. So then what then from there, because you were talking about the pandemic is when you first start getting introduced to music. But yeah. after that had happened, like, what were you doing with your day? Like, how are you spending uh, time after that? So this this conversation that I had with the director and everything get fired happened this past January. Um, and then from there, I was already into music from there because I released my first song back November 2022, 20, uh, Thanksgiving. Um, it's called Yours. The boys go crazy for it. Well, that sounded that sounded homo, no homo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my guys go crazy for it. But yeah, um, got introduced to music when a pandemic hit because um, everything was just so slow. You couldn't go anywhere. So I just started riding. I was like, huh, like I can write to this. And I'm watching. I think I was watching like Wild and Out when I kind of got the idea. And, you know, they put on, they do the ciphers and stuff. I'm, like, rapping along to it. I'm like, bro, this is kind of easy. And so I just started, you know, pen pad. I was so afraid to release anything until this past year. Um, And then just kind of, yeah. Interesting. So you first got some of the inspiration to start making music, watching Wild and Out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, wait, I'm fucking better than these people like this ain't that hard <laughs> yeah yeah i was like i can i can rap i can freestyle i i can't freestyle though but when i'm pen a pad i definitely so it's like some work before that wild and out experience and you're kind of making that like light bulb <clears throat> moment in your head with music mm-hmm. were you ever doing music stuff like growing up like um, you know, you don't play instruments or anything i was never the type to play instruments i was i don't have any rhythm i try playing the drums my hand eye coordination is terrible um yeah it sounded like i don't even know what it sounded like but i should be sent to hell for it um <laughs> yeah, i was just about that money so <laughs> you think playing money. the drums gonna make me money i'm selling kool-aid sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um never really had a musical experience until um about like 20 yeah 2020 and i just started trying stuff down was always scared to release or show anybody so why do you think that is because it's like the reason why I ask is because you seem like somebody that's always, like you said, you know, you've been ahead. Mm-hmm. You've always have known that, you know, you're met for bigger things. And so now that you're kind of venturing off in this new discipline, what was making you kind of feel a little anxious about showing anybody about some of your creations? Um, because when you hear the word like rapper, you'll automatically think to yourself, oh, bum. No money, no job. I mean, I don't got no job now, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's besides the point. <laughs> you know, just just this individual that just doesn't have his shit together in a sense. And I didn't want anybody, you know, thinking of me at, as that. So I was just always scared. And so it was a lot of self-doubt in my music, too, especially like recording. I'm like, I don't sound good. I sound like ass. And then my... Uh, best friend Nico, I showed it to him. He was like, "Bro, release that shit now!" <laughs> I was like, All right. "But yeah, it took me like two years just to even release yours because um, I was so scared." So 
So when he told you, like, yo, you need to release this now, like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. When did he tell you that versus, like, the, you know, the two years later to releasing it? Like, was yeah. it around that time? Like, was it the same year that he told you, like, that you released that he told you that? Or is it, like, way back when you first did it? Uh, it was back in 2021. He told me to release it. Um, when he started figuring out, like, I was doing music and, you know, he just became my mentor and everything. And then he was like, bro like this is insane you need to release it and i was like at first i'm like you know i'm just thinking he's hyping me up because you know that's my guy that's that's, that's the homie yeah the homie the homie's gonna have hype you up no matter what i mean they, they'll keep it real with you but yeah you know homies will hype you up so i was like nah i ain't, I ain't releasing this shit it's just ass um but then i just kept listening to it for like another year and then i was like you know what fuck it like we're just about to see what happens. So, yeah. Dang. <laughs> so during that time, because it's like that's a big gap of time from when you first make it to when you released it. Were you mm -hmm. making other music too, and like were oh. you trying to like study it, or was it kind of more passive in the background? Um, I was doing a lot of writing. I probably had like two other songs I recorded, um, but those got thrown out real quick. Um, I feel like yours was the one that was like the main one that I was like, okay. Even though I thought it was trash, I was like, it might do something. So <clears throat> really didn't have I just had a lot of I just had a lot of notes and notepads in my phone and whatever. Um I was like uh I'll say I was like a Drake. I had like two filled like notebooks of just like stuff. And then after I released it, I seen everybody was liking it. I started recording a lot more in a sense. So so what made you decide to release it on Thanksgiving, like a day of gratitude? Like, yeah, where did that yeah, come from? Yeah. Um, pretty much, I think we had a France given that day. That, that day or the day before or the day after. I'm not for sure now. Um, but it's pretty much just like a holiday song. You know, Thanksgiving, you're really not listening. You're just with family. So I'm like, let me give people something to actually listen to on Thanksgiving whether you're in Turkey or whatever. Um, so I was like, just did the complete opposite of what any rapper would do because you release a song Thanksgiving, it's probably not getting placed. Um, mine didn't get no place that day. I probably had two. Um, but it blew up like a couple months later. So, Dang. So what did you, like, what made it then, like, blow up? Because I feel like that's kind um, of the biggest thing for a lot of artists is they, they're sitting on a pot of gold. Yeah, but yeah. then the hard part is, like, well, how do I let the world know, like, this gold exists? Um, I would say we were actually, and it was the help from my guys. We were actually in a lot of places. We would go to Sam's. We will go to, you know, like, U District or whatever. And we would tell the DJs, spin this. And they'll actually do it. And so people started noticing. Said, I noticed a lot of Shazams. I probably had like 24,000 Shazams um, of the song Yours. And, you know, and what's Shazam? Actually, uh, it's like a music recognition uh, software on your phone. It automatically comes with your iPhone. So you can like scroll down. If you don't know the name of the song, you just. Oh. Yeah, and it tells you. Dang, so, there's 24,000 Shazams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, down. All right. And then, yeah, that just kind of took off. And I got, I started getting noticed a little bit. And I started releasing other music as well during that time. During, like, January through about April. Started releasing more music. 
<clears throat> and then um, I got reached out by A&R at Sub Pop. Uh, it's the record label here in Seattle. And he was like, yo, I fuck with your music. And I was like, yeah, bet. I was like, thank you, thank you. And at first, I was like, kind of just brushing it off. And then, uh, you know, our brother passed. And I was like, what would Amari want me to do? And so I call him back. And I'm like, yeah, I'll sign. Um, so pretty much signed. And then made my record, my actual biggest record to date with Libyanka. Uh, well, she already had her song People out. And it came out like 2020. 2022 yeah 2022 um and then just pretty much just hopped on a remix uh remade the beat and hopped on that and it just kind of took off from there and that's that's when i actually started started getting noticed so yeah and that's currently sitting at over 30 million streams yeah. right now yeah, right? yeah 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 so crazy. Like for, it's crazy for people listening right now this isn't yeah. oh he okay, got <laughs> you know a couple hundreds this is 30 yeah. million fucking yeah. times that people are listening to this yeah. song so what was it like being somebody, f like, it started where you're like, I don't know, dude, like, this is ass, I don't know if I want to put it out, and then you drop the song, people are really liking it, and then you start going, and, you know, to these different bars and clubs, and people are loving it, you know, mm -hmm. they are got the Shazam going, so in terms of just your overall outlook on you as an artist, how did that change when you started to see, like, people were actually fucking with your work? Um... We just pretty much play it to people, and they're like, they're just bopping their heads and shit. And people would just be like, "Yo, this you?" They they have no idea that it's me. I'm just I'm so humbled about it. And you know, my guy Jason right here, he'd be like, "Yo, that's that's Ant. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's him. That's him." Uh, <laughs> I was like, "Damn, that's him." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's me." I'm like, "I was trying to be quiet about it, but, you know." <laughs> but yeah. Uh, pretty much the help of them got me recognized. So all these guys a lot for sure. So, so have you always been humble? Because I feel like um, once people start making it, they're like, "Yo, this me, this me," yeah, yeah. and you know, you don't have the homie like Jason, you know, yeah. hyping you up for <laughs> you. A lot of times, people yeah, yeah. are jumping up on the table and say, "Look at me, look at yeah, me." Yeah. Um, always been humble, still humble. Um, I just feel like what's the point in doing it? Um, you know, if I'm in my own function or whatever, my own party, you know, I'm going to act a fool. I'm like, yo, this me. Like, what's up? What's up? Because that's your people. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm out in public, I'm not making a scene. I don't, I don't really like attention like that. So um, very humble. You probably wouldn't even know it's me that you're listening to. You can be listening to me right in front of me. And I won't say nothing. That's how <laughs> I might sing along, but I probably won't say anything. Yeah. So for somebody that doesn't really like <laughs> attention that much, I mean, 30 million streams, that's a lot yeah, of yeah. attention. Yeah, so, it is. like, what's it been like navigating this newfound, like, success and fame that you have now? Um, success part is just, I feel like I can always do better. Um, even to this day, I still self-doubt. Um, and as far as fame, I don't feel like I'm famous. Most definitely not famous. I'm still underground. For sure. Um, but, you know, I know for sure it will get to that point where it's like I wake up one day, I'll be like, damn, like I'm actually famous. Um, but that's a that's a ways from now. Um, but, yeah, hopefully I can manage it because I do have anxiety and I'm like kind of shy 
too, but yeah. Hey, well, that's what that's what's <laughs> nice though is like people are able to relate to that as opposed to the ostentatious, like super in your face, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm better than you. Like honestly, nowadays I feel like with especially because the pandemic, you know, everyone's in home and they see somebody that's more along the lines of who they are. They're like, oh. I actually like that guy. Yeah. So when the record label had reached out to you, what was kind of like one, how did they discover you? And two, like what made you make that decision of signing with the record label? Because I feel like nowadays too, a lot of times I see these other artists, you know, kind of like Prince where he's like, hey, like don't sign, you know, they're going to fuck you over with the contract deal. And so, I mean, you have a head on your shoulders, so... Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're going through all of it, but I'm just curious on how you viewed them and your perception of, like, how is this going to make me bigger? Uh, Yeah, so we actually, I had this bright idea one day. I released this song called Phil, and I had all of my friends spam sub, sub pop in the comments. They spammed uh, what? Sub pop in the comments. Oh, sub pop. Yeah. Uh, and they did it, and they did it, and, you know, at first I was like, dang, like, they're just ignoring me, whatever. Like, they definitely see it, like, they just spammed it in the comments, so they definitely see it. But I'm like, okay, it might just be trash, and they're not fucking with it. Um, so, didn't have, didn't hear anything from them after that until about May. And I was like, damn, like, okay, you guys actually did see it, and you guys actually did take a listen. But, you know, they'll never tell you. They'll never show you. They'll probably watch your watch your page from a fake page. Um, so I feel like that was that was in a sense. They were just watching me the whole time. So mm. so when it came down <clears throat> to you actually, like, signing on the dotted line, like you said, you were thinking about your brother, and he's like, yo, mm -hmm. like, what would he want me to do? Yeah, and yeah. so what made you make that decision of, like, yo, these are the people that I want to work with? Uh, it's just a trustworthy record label. Um, of course, record labels are in it for the money, but you get, uh, they've been around since 1988. Kurt Cobain was, made the record label big. Kurt and, Cobain? Yeah, Kurt Cobain. Whoa. Yeah. Um, so they've been around for a while and they're known, they're, they're known in Seattle to be just genuine great people. And the people who's been there has been there since the record labels opened. Um, so you got... Um, the owners still own it. They, of course, they sold like their profits uh, to Warner about forty nine percent, just to make them bigger. So they did that, but they're pretty trustworthy around in Seattle. Now, if you mention sub pop to anybody, most likely I would say about ninety five percent of people know what sub pop and who sub pop is and the owners and everything, and. It may seem big, but it's very small. It's a very small world that Sub Pop has. So, so great reputation, great yeah. people. You know, you know what? I I want to work with these people because just their track record and yeah, everything yeah. that you looked into. So now, when it comes to what's next, like what is it that's been kind of on your radar? <clears throat> uh, radar is um, uh, transitioning over to Warner Music. And then I'm also have my own record label that I'm starting. Uh, it's called Root Records. Um, Root Records. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, that's a cool name. Yeah, yeah. I um, I actually found out it's a clothing brand called Root, as well. So I was like, dang, okay, whatever. But um, 
fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Sues me three years later. <laughs> but uh, could be a good, uh, cool collab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. I'll probably have to talk to him too. I don't know. Figure out the owner. But yeah, in a sense, that's pretty much the next steps for me. Um, and I actually got a project uh, releasing uh, tomorrow. It's about two song project. Um, nothing too big, but it's just a project for the wait until the album. So, so how would you describe your sound? Because you know, in the beginning, we we're talking about you being a rapper. But yeah. I feel like the more I learn about you and the things that I've read, like it's more described along the lines of like alternative pop. And so, yeah. like, how would you describe your sound? Um, most definitely, even the song yours, even though it was like a rap song in a sense it was still like indie pop um it still had that pop sound to it so i've always described myself as a pop artist even when i you know rhymed on rhymed on a beat or just had a hard beat um it was that i've always been like distinct from regular rappers in a sense you know all my music's pretty much positive really no cussing uh, i don't talk about I don't call women bitches, hoes on in my music, mainly because my family does listen listen to it. Um, so I try to be respectful in that manner just because they listen to it. If they didn't, I'll be wilding. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I would say I describe myself as a, I don't know, I feel like I may be in my own genre um, because you can define me as a, Afrobeat artists, uh, when I just feel like releasing Afrobeat, uh, pop artists, any pop alternative, I just kind of have the sound for it all. And you can hear it in the music, you'll be like, okay, like he has a different type of sound to him. Um, I'm kind of still trying to figure out figure out that, but as far as I just describe myself as an alternative indie pop uh, artist, so yeah. Yeah, I remember when at one of your release parties and the song was playing and I remember liking the song. I'm like, whoa. And they're like, yeah. yo, that, that's Anthony. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, it's one of those sounds that I know for a fact will take on yeah. like this. Oh, it's, it's life of its own. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's got that energy where like what I like about your music is it's so much different from what's out there right now where you know, when it comes to the music industry, a lot of times people say there's a lot of these devil worshipers and there's all this like Satanism that's in there and all of these weird just kind of tropes involving Satan. So oh, yeah. the fact that you're leading with love and leading with light, I just feel like it's different. But I mean, what's your kind of take on the music industry in general? Because now you're starting to really dip your toes into that world. Um, yeah, uh, the music industry and, you know, being signed to a major, you do see a lot of shit and it's like, um, it's a lot of bad shit, if I'm being honest. Um, so it's kind of discouraging to, especially like with major, major labels, they're just all power, money hungry. Um, so it's like, you most definitely have to watch, watch, um, pretty much everything you always have to be on your p's and q's and pretty much different artists who have actually made it big or um kind of the same way you know they're like you know they're just all power hungry in a sense so 
music industry is a tough is a tough space once you get to a certain level um but you can most definitely you know if you have street smarts and because you just can't have book smarts in the music industry you have to have street smarts too i feel like that my past helped me in a sense with it but yeah definitely you have to have street smarts because somebody will try to fuck you over some somehow some way um and you're probably already getting fucked over um no matter who you are <laughs> you probably already getting fucked over you just don't know it but yeah yeah, it's like they're always kind of waiting for you to slip up so they can take a couple of bucks out of your pocket. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, sheesh. It's just when I see the music industry and I see where it's at, it's nice that we have somebody like yourself that, like I said, is leading with light, leading with love. It's a lot different from what's mm-hmm. currently out there. So I'm curious, like, you know, when it comes to marathon runners, they always have, like, a why. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, why do you run? Like, oh, here's my answer. And so we've been kind of talking around it, but I'm just curious, like, when it comes to you making music, like, what's your why? Like, why are you doing this? Um, to, I would say to make people happy. I feel like when I, every time I make music, I really saw it, just see how people happy, how happy people are, especially my family. You know, there's so much energy, there's so much life in it. Um, you know, I'm actually speaking... You know, realness, um, other than sex, money, drugs, all the time. Um, so the unholy <clears throat> trinity, holy trinity, nah, <laughs> not 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 that quite, but <laughs> that's what I said the unholy trinity. Oh yeah, the un- unholy trinity for sure. Um, but yeah, I just pretty much just like seeing people being happy, dancing uh, to my music. So. I feel like that's the main reason because if it wasn't, if I was just doing it for the money, I tried quitting a lot of times, but people have been telling me not to give up. and um, So I feel like that's it. That's really it. So so why BXI? Because I know you had a name <clears throat> before that. Yeah, it was downstairs, and then I um, had a little hiccup with um, trademark and everything. <laughs> so I was like, okay what's still in that realm what still is going to be marketable and i was just like you know what i just picked like three random letters i was like bxi all right and it really doesn't have any meaning to it um (laughs) but i most definitely got a trademark uh this time around because downstairs i neglected to get a trademark and i ran into some complications where it was like i just simply couldn't use that name anymore um, so most definitely got BXI trademarked and it's a, I, I would say it's a marketable name. So, yeah. Wait, so why downstairs to begin with? Downstairs, it was pretty much just coming, just my name just meant like coming from the ground up, pretty much just coming from that basement. We're climbing stairs to get up. So, um, spelled D-W-N-S-T-R-Z, you know, um, I took out a few letters, but yeah. There we go. I love that. Yeah. Well, you know, this has been an amazing time talking with you. Uh, I really appreciate it. You know, people mm-hmm. are going to be streaming you everywhere. So I guess where can people find you? Um, yes, on since I just changed my name, uh, but Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube. I actually have a video coming out in a couple weeks. Uh, pretty much every store possible known to man. Yeah. 
And that's just BXI. They search yeah. on any of those. They can find BXI. You yeah, you'll see my picture. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much, Appreciate Anthony, thank a.k.a. You, thank BXI. You. Thank you. This has been the Searching for Something podcast, and I really had a great time speaking with you, sir. So thank you again for your time. Sweet. Appreciate you. Yes.